Alright, what's up everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Hoop Chat. It's Jay here, and in this episode, I wanted to focus on the Golden State Warriors and sort of just catching up with them and see how they've looked nine games into the season. Um, And, you know, I wanted to say that I think it's important now to start to pay attention to the habits that all teams are building, whether they're good or bad, because I think that the habits that you start to build now in November and December, you know, these first 10 to 15 games of the year, uh, it starts to translate later down the line. And I think this is where you start to form your identity and who you want to become. And that that's really important for teams that have championship aspirations like a Golden State or Boston or Denver or Phoenix. Um, so if you're building these good habits now, if you're sort of going through the growing pains now, I think, in November and December, um, I think that bodes well for you uh, in the long run for the season because, you know, Rather than figuring it out, figuring shit out in January and then, you know, you have like two and a half months into the playoffs and you still aren't totally sure like which rotations work and which guys you want in certain situations. I think if you're, you know, sort of focusing on that now during the season and guys are out there and they're playing and, you know, you're building the chemistry and the camaraderie in November, in December, it bodes well for you if you want to make a long run into the postseason. So just real quick on that. Like I know it's early in the season and, you know, the record, the standings, all those things don't matter as much, but I think the habits that are being formed do. And I think now 10 games in is when we start to, the picture starts to get painted on what a team, you know, what their identity might be in the direction that they're heading in. With that being said, Golden State Warriors, they have a six and three record fourth in the West currently. They have a game against Cleveland tonight. So you'll probably, the game might've already been played by the time you listen to this, but yeah, that's where they're at right now. Um, As far as the raw sort of team stats, they're eighth in offense, 11th in defense. The 11th in defense is a big improvement from last year. Um, Just last year, this time, I mean, last year up until Christmas, they were towards the bottom of the league and already now being, you know, pretty close to a top 10 unit, I think is very encouraging for them. And it's something, you know, you, you want to see if you're a Golden State fan. So 11th in defense, and we'll get into why that's been the case. Um, but I think we need to start with the engine, the engine of this whole thing, the engine of this dynasty. And that's, of course, Steph Curry. Currently, he's averaging 30 points a game, five rebounds, four assists, shooting splits of 51 47 and 90 so that means he's shooting 51 percent from the field that includes you know twos and threes layups mid-ranges threes 47 percent from three which is i mean that is just crazy because the guy takes 12 threes a game and you know he's basically locked in for at least six threes a game with like that doesn't make sense that, that really doesn't make sense even for his standards i think his career high in 2015 2016 was around 45%, which is, of course, absurd. And, I mean, he's the best, greatest shooter we've ever seen, will ever see. So, you know, that's you know, those numbers kind of make sense when that's who you are. But 47% from three is, that's something. That is, like, ah, even for him, that's something. 90% from the free throw line, we've come to expect that. Um, another shooting metric I wanted to throw out there was he is 67% um for his effective field goal 
which that is it's sort of a more modern way i guess to look at the shooting metrics it takes in free throws threes mid ranges it takes basically all types of shots into account um i think it's good to look at both the traditional splits of the you know the the field goal three and the free throw and the effective field goal that sort of combines that and filters out some of like these late game heaves and things like that but the number being at 67 percent is is crazy because for one it's top 10 in the league and when you look at guys that are usually that high as far as their effective field goal percentage it's usually guys who are like centers like rudy gobert's or uh r.i.p in basketball terms rob williams you know just had a gonna have these season season ending knee injury but it's guys who are usually um and, and I, I remember looking at the list earlier mark williams i'll use him for instance he is a young center playing for the charlotte hornets seven footer good solid young player i think he has a you know he has a place in this league i think he'll be a good player for them going forward but when you watch him play he's it's mostly alley-oops from lamello ball it's mostly dunks layups things within five feet of the basket Steph Curry, we know the type of shots he takes. And the fact that he's up there with these seven-footer centers as far as his effective field goal percentage, it just it just goes to show how absurd this guy is. And oh, man, it, it's just there's not enough compliments for how good he is as a shooter. And the fact like the fact that it's only getting better and better, which we talked about this on our show last week on the Richie and Michael Connection feed, which I recommend everyone to go check that out. Great episode we did with Julius. But we talked about Steph and where the episode itself was about where guys who are currently playing today will end up on our all-time list. And of course, Steph was brought up. And we just talked about how in year 15, this guy is getting better. You know, he's defying logic. And it's really a credit to him. I think he really takes care of his body. He trains really hard. Like, I don't think that he gets talked about enough. Like, I remember this summer, there was a video of him in Dubai just running around in a desert. Like, he's a nut, bro. And yeah, like, he he's just different. He's just different. I, you almost run out of words when you try to describe how good he is and how good he's he still is. And, like, the fact that he's becoming even better, it's, it's mind-boggling, man. But, yeah, that's stuff. That's sort of the season he's having on paper. Um, and I, I sort of want to go to what I've been seeing from him when, when I've watched these games. And one thing I've noticed, which has been the case, I think the past three, four seasons, has been his drives to the basket and how confident he is in his ability to drive. The ability itself in which he's able to finish through contact, finish over defenders. Because, like, of course, you, you talk about Steph, the first thing that comes to mind is the shooting, as it should. But I think a real underestimated part of his game is his ability to put the ball on the floor, put his head down, and just get to the rim, and then finish. Like, it's not the fancy finishes that Kyrie has. You know, it's not the explosive finishes that a guy like John Morant has, you know, things like that, which is probably why he doesn't get talked about as much, and why the shooting does, which, I mean, it makes sense, of course. But he's a damn good driver and finisher, man. And... Um, I think he's, Draymond has talked about this before. He's put more muscle on. He's gotten bigger and stronger. The first sort of five, six years of his career, I think that was sort of the knock on him was like, you kind of can move Steph off his spot a little bit. It was real, you know, skinny, scrawny kid. He was always an amazing shooter. But, you know, when you really 
forced him to put the ball on the floor. I think that's where he might have struggled a little, a little bit. And I think like towards the latter end of the KD years and then, you know, the post KD era, you can tell that he's really put an emphasis on getting stronger, getting bigger. I mean, you could just see he looks much bigger. If you look at of a picture of him, even from like 2020, if you look at a picture from Steph, you know, that season and then a picture of like 2015, it's, it's night and day. You could tell the guys, he's putting in real work in the weight room. And, and yeah, like two instances that really made me think of this and why I wanted to bring it up was um, the game that they played against the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder last Friday. It was the first playing game, which, by the way, I've enjoyed the playing games this season, but um, that's another topic for another day. But in that first playing game versus Oklahoma, he down the down, like down the stretch, it was a close game. And in back to back possessions, he put the ball on the floor, drove to the basket. And, you know, completed this, like, these very high, like, contest, highly contested, like, tough angle layups. Um, One was with about 30 seconds left, and the other one ended up being the game winner. Kind of a controversial ending there. It's like, they, they Draymond might have goaltended on that. And they looked at the replay. It wasn't enough, I think. Steph was going to make the layup regardless um, for the game winner, but... You know, I'm sure there's some Thunder fans that are probably, like, yeah, well, that's last one shouldn't have counted. I think it should have. But, and just sort of like the way in which he was able to finish those layups and what he was going up against. Let me just sort of try to paint that picture for you. He has Lou Dort guarding him, a player on the Thunder who's, he's just built like an NFL running back, really big, stout, just like a, just like a trunk of a guy, really strong, really good defender. Usually, you know, at the top of the list when we talk about defenders in this league. So, of course, naturally, Oklahoma City is going to have him guarding Steph. Steph was able to just get by him, keep him on his hip, which, again, that just sort of goes back to the just how stronger Steph has gotten over the years, where I think in the past, it's Lou Dort being on your hip, he's probably just moving Steph off his spot. And I don't think Steph is able to get where he needs to. But now, because he's a stronger player, He's able to keep his balance on that drive. And then he has Chet Holmgren, uh, who's the rookie for the Thunder, the seven-footer, really talented player, excellent shot blocker. I think he's second in the league amongst all players in contested shots at the rim. So, yeah, he's, he's special defensively. And he comes, rotates, as, as Steph beats Lou Dort off the dribble and gets into the paint. Here comes this seven-foot freak ready to block your shot. And Steph is just able to adjust and find an angle on both drives. Able to just find an angle and get it over Chet and finish. The first one, you could argue, was an and one. Chet might have fouled him. The second one, he was just, again, just able to like maintain his balance, show off the strength, the, the skill set, and just like the touch. It, I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. Like, it's just another element that he's added to his game over the years, which makes him even more impossible to guard as if he wasn't already and it's tough man it's tough when you you have like he can just tap into this and and go win games playing this way like i think that's what's important too like he's he's willing to rely on this sort of side of his game to you know win games for his team and it's it's amazing to watch it's 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 been really it's been really amazing to watch this season like there was another instance in the sacramento game he drove, and this sort of highlights just like the duality of him on offense. In that Sacramento game in which they won, he drove with about 30 seconds left, got into the paint, shot a floater. Again, just, you know, the utmost confidence in his ability to do that. 
gets the floater. Sacramento comes back down with about 14 seconds left. So bonus hits a bank shot, like a 15-footer. Sacramento goes up one. Golden State comes back down the floor. Draymond has the ball. This is the final possession. Draymond has the ball at the top of the key. Steph cuts to the basket and draws two defenders because Sacramento, I think teams are starting to like realize, okay, this guy's not as dangerous as a driver as he is a shooter, but it's it's something that we really need to, you know, pay attention to when he's like just going towards the basket, whether the ball's in his hands or not. So Steph sort of makes this cut. Draymond is, you know, you can tell Draymond wants to pass it to Steph as he's cutting to the basket, but Sacramento cuts that off with two. And that, of course, opens up Clay, whose guy leaves him. Imagine, like, you're leaving Clay Thompson open. Clay comes from the corner, comes to the top of the key. Draymond finds him, and Clay just rises up for basically a practice shot. 15-footer, hits the game winner. Right there, it's 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 Steph. Like, it's Steph's gravity in that moment. Like, you think of his gravity around the perimeter and the shooting, and when he's coming out for what looks like it's going to be a three off a pick, and, you know, two guys stay with him, and then the guy will cut. But now he has this, like, this sort of other element of gravity where if he's going to the basket teams are going to pay attention because he's shown us now over the past few years that he he can get it done on that end and you know just right there that's two ways in which he's won the game for you with the ball in his hands driving to the basket and then cutting to the basket drawing the defense creating an open look for clay who it's the game winners just i mean it's 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 tough man it's it's tough to card when you have a guy who can do so much that he can on the offensive side. Um, and even in the Denver game on Wednesday, he drove to the basket. He missed, but just the willingness to drive. Um, like they were down two, I think, and that would have sent it to overtime. But he he missed probably what, what was the, out of like those three instances, the, well, the two in the Oklahoma City game, the two drives for the, for the layups, and then the Sacramento game in which he got into the paint and the floater. The one... And the Denver game was probably the easiest one for him to make, I think. But he ended up missing that. Um, but like I said, just the willingness to do that. Um, I, I just love it, man. I, I love the way he plays on that side of the ball. And his game is continuing to evolve. It's Like I said, he's the engine of this whole thing. We have to start with him when we talk about the Warriors, of course. And yeah, he's he's at the peak of his powers. I'm like running out of breath just trying to like say all my thoughts about him because it's just it's so fun to talk about Steph like he he's great but um and one other thing I wanted to bring up too with Steph and then we can move on to the rest of the team here is it's always interesting to see how Steve Kerr balances the use of Steph as a pick and roll ball handler and him off the ball because you know there's times I think I mean of course like during the the beginning of the game and in the middle of the game where Curry was will we'll totally lead into Steph pick and roll, like Steph on ball. It's like, that's like a little moniker in Golden State community on ball Steph. But like Curry will lead into that where Steph will have the ball in his hands. They'll run pick and roll. And of course, if you're running pick and roll with Steph, like no other guy draws more fear coming off a pick with the ball in his hands than Steph. So the defense more times than not is going to have to convulge on him and because he's an excellent passer, they'll make that little pocket pass to usually Draymond, who's cutting. And now because there's two on the ball, Draymond is working on a four-on-three. And, you know, this is where Draymond is excellent. is like his decision in, in the open floor when there's numbers on Golden State side. And more times than not, that's going to end up in either an alley-oop from a Wiggins cut or Clay's open for three in the corner. And that, again, it starts with just Steph, you know, 
having him on the ball, him drawing two defenders, and then once he makes that pass, now it's a four on three. And if you're the defense, you're on your heels. Um, and it's interesting because Kerr will lean into that, but I think like sometimes you wish he leans into it more. Um, and I remember when KD first joined the Warriors in 2017. And Steve Kerr was actually out. Like, he wasn't coaching the first 20 games. He was dealing with a back issue, I think. And Mike Brown was the coach that, you know, he was coaching the Sacramento Kings now. He was the assistant coach. You know, he took head coaching duties while Kerr was out. And for those first 20 to 25 games, he, like, he wasn't running the motion offense that we see. He was running Stephen Katie pick and roll because it's like, Okay, I have these two demigods on my team. If I put them in action, like, okay, if you, hey, you're going to put two on the ball on Steph. Okay, now KD has an open look. Okay, if you're going to, like, sort of lean into more, you know, lean into defending KD more on that pick and roll, then now you're just leaving Steph with a clean look at the three. Like, yeah, you just, you cannot guard that at all. Probably that, that two man game was, I, and, 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 you know, I was, I, I bring this up because they, before KD got injured, 25 games into that season those first 20 to 25 games that they played um playing steph on ball steph and katie pick and roll with mike brown running the show that was the most dominant golden state has ever looked in the katie era probably i mean it was the most dominant stretch i've seen from a basketball team and then of course katie gets injured steve kerr comes back and you know because you know i'm, I'm not saying steve kerr's a bad coach like his system is great like motion offense it's 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 changed basketball in its own way. And I, I think Steph honestly might prefer that. But it's just another tactic that they can that they just have in their back pocket. Uh, even you know, years after Katie's gone, where you can just have Steph on ball running pick and roll, and then you know, it just opens up the offense because two has to they you have to have two on the ball with him. You cannot leave a guy who shoots like that open on that pick. And you know, it's just it's interesting, I think, to see how Kerr balances that. Sometimes he'll lean into it during the games. I think when it's towards the end of the game and it's a close game, he'll lean into it sometimes too. But you can sort of see um, during a Golden State Warriors game, like the times in which he taps into it and then times where it's motion offense. And it's, it's just an interesting sort of game within a game. Um, but yeah, Steph, he's amazing. I mentioned Draymond. Draymond... He's missed, I think, two games or three games this season. But when he has been out there, he is still at the top of his game defensively. Um, the game versus Detroit, for instance, there was a few possessions where he got switched on to Cade Cunningham. And Cade Cunningham, really good guard, young guard out of Detroit, who, you know, he can three-level score, can handle the ball, just really good player, tough to guard for most guys in the league. And Draymond got switched on to him and just locked him up. Like, Cade couldn't do nothing. And, like, it, that's the thing. Like, Draymond, when he's locked in, like, defensively, it's there's not much guys I'd rather have over him. And what makes it so special, though, is because, like, he'll do that against a point guard like Cade Cunningham one night, and then the next night they'll play Sacramento, and then you see him guarding Sabonis down low and just banging with him and giving him a hard time. So Draymond defensively is still, I think... Maybe not at the peak of his powers, but still, you know, on that short list of guys you want to have. And but what's been interesting, I think, sort of a revelation for Draymond this season is his shooting from three. He's currently shooting 42% from three, which I don't expect that to stay 
I don't think that figure is going to stay that way. But that's really encouraging because it's weird. Trayvon, like the first, the like 2015, 16, when they this whole thing sort of started with Golden State, he was a serviceable three-point shooter. Like he was hovering around the mid-30s. Like he'll make those open threes. He'll take those open threes. And he would make a good amount that you felt good with him taking those shots. I'm not saying he was like a dead eye or anything, but you know, it, it was serviceable as far as um as far as that goes. And then like starting from like 20, I think I want to say after KD left, he like all of a sudden became a terrible three-point shooter, like worse than the league. Years where he's shooting like 20%, and it like then you just saw he wasn't even taking threes anymore. And it was really hurting Golden State's offense. And there was times where Kerr would just pull Draymond out of the game because of his inability to even take the three, let alone make it. And then now you this year, and it's, you know, we're nine games in, but I remember the Cavs game. It starts off with Draymond hitting two threes. And, like, there's been other games, like, in the like that you can look at the tape in each of these games, and Draymond is making threes. And he's taking them, like, without hesitation, which... You can't say it's an evolution because, you know, he has shown the ability ability to do this before, but I don't know. It's just an interesting turnaround from him. And that, that I think, is good for him long-term. That, like, you know, his ability to, the fact that he's just become a, like, I, I really don't know what to make of it, but if this, if this is real, like, if he's starting to become an above-average to average three-point shooter again, I think that adds maybe another two years to his career, honestly, so... That's an interesting thing to look uh, to keep an eye on going forward is just Draymond taking and making threes. Um, the other two guys in the starting lineup, Clay and Wiggins, they've been struggling. Clay, it's just I don't know. Like he, you can just tell he's he's really trying to capture the the pre injury years, the the glory days, the game six Clay, and and he'll have moments like last year he struggled, and this is why I'm not like really really in panic mode with him. But because um, last year he had like he started off the season you know, kind of a rocky start, and then midway through the season, like he like just was averaging like almost thirty points a game for like, two months, and he was just like making everything. So I think you'll have like you know these ups and downs with Clay's. You hope there's more ups, but right now it's it's definitely he's definitely in a slump. Um, defensively, I think there's probably more concern there. Like in that Denver game last night, towards the end of the game, he just was getting beat off the dribble, beat off cuz. It almost looked like he didn't even have interest in defending, which that's that's where you you know you really are concerned because if the shooting's not there, at least you have like a solid defender, right? But now if you're missing both of those aspects, if you're clay, like it's 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 hard to see him out there in these games. But I think I it's also hard for me to see Kurt pull him out, and I'll, I'll talk about sort of my issues with that in a little bit. Wiggins, this one doesn't make sense to me because he's not like he's not an older player like Clay. Doesn't have like I don't even think this guy's ever really had a significant injury in his career. Gonna knock on wood for him, but um, he just looks out of it, man. I don't know what's going on. Like defensively, he's not the same. Offensively, like. He's missing layups. He's some of these shots that he's taking from three are like way short. There's air balls in there. Like it's it's been really bad. And that's that's a problem for Golden State because Wiggins is a guy when they won the finals two years ago, 
he was your second best player and it was his ability to score and his ability to guard Jason Tatum, guard Jalen Brown in the finals, really, you know, make it hard on them and then give you like 20 a game on the other side, just sort of being Steph's sidekick as far as that goes. That that was a big reason why they won the finals that year. And it's been a like just a wild drop off. So I'm not sure if he's dealing with the injury or if there's some stuff off the court that's going on with him. But you can definitely see he is he's not even the same player he was last year, which that's that's an issue. But they have been able to mitigate that and and still win these games. And the reason I think from the games I've watched that's been the case is because of none other than the point god himself, Mr. Chris Paul, CP3. They brought him in this offseason. I, to be honest, was not excited about that move. I didn't think it made sense. Guys, you know, he's pushing 40. It looked pretty rough at stretches last year. Um, the style of play is just so different with Chris Paul. Like, the way he likes to play is so different than, when, than what Golden State usually runs. So, I, I just, I didn't like the, I didn't like the trade for them in the offseason, but... I I am just ready to admit right now that I was wrong on that. Nine games into the season, we'll see how it goes. But from what I've seen so far, Chris Paul has been good for this team. He has been, and he's just been a steady hand for them coming off the bench. And some numbers that sort of back that up. So Golden State, usually when you see them, as far as like where they rank in the league with turnovers, they're usually leading the league in turnovers. If not, they're like top three. And that's just... That's part of the style of play with the, I think Kerr, that's like almost, he accepts that because when you run the motion offense and it's the constant passing and the cutting and so much movement, I think naturally you're just going to have more turnovers than other teams. But, um, you know, it's not great to lead the league in turnovers every year. But, you know, insert Chris Paul and now they are now top 10 as far as protecting the ball. So there's only nine teams that are having less turnovers than Golden State right now. And, you know, knowing who Chris Paul is, point guard he is how cerebral he is in the half court you know he makes sure guys get to their spot make sure a set is run perfectly it's you know you can see why those numbers are the way they are with golden state basically cutting their turnovers in half and yeah i mean credit to cp3 there and then another stat i thought was interesting and this is um this is part cleaning the glass really good site but for the first time in like basically forever they have a plus differential with Steph Curry off the floor. And of course, that is because of Chris Paul. Like he is out there with the second unit and it's a functioning offense. Like they're able to hold leads. Sometimes they're able to increase the lead. And he's like, like Curry, will, he'll play them together. And I think it's looked good. I'll say this as well. It's looked good. The Chris Paul thing has looked good for the first three and a half quarters. But I think the fourth quarter is where it starts to get weird. And I, and I think that's more on Steve Kerr. But um, for the most part, you know, Chris Paul will come off the bench, of course. He'll come in midway through the first quarter. He'll play like two minutes with Steph. You know, they'll overlap each other there. Then Steph will go to the bench. CP3 will run with the second unit for most of the second quarter. And then, you know, Curry will come in to close the half. Third quarter, same deal. It's like half, half of the third quarter it's curry and the starters then chris paul will come in he'll have some moments with clay um but it's you know mainly when chris paul is out there it's mainly him in the second unit for the first three quarters 
And then the fourth quarter, it's, I don't know, Steve Kerr gets weird. And I don't know if that's a, I'm going to trust a vet and have him out there. But there's been instances in which, you know, you rather, you know, you probably rather have had CP3 on the bench and maybe have a guy like Kaminga or Moody out there closing games. Like the Cleveland game, Kaminga, by the way, who's been balling this year, he's another guy I kind of want to talk about, but um, he, he was, you know, playing well in that fourth quarter uh, in the Cleveland against the Cavs. And around the three-minute mark, Steve Kerr pulls him out for Chris Paul. And then he has, like, a lineup of Curry, Chris Paul, Gary Payton, Clay, and Draymond. Just like that, that's just a, that is a terrorist lineup. Bro. Like, that's basically three point guards. I know Gary Payton doesn't play like a point guard. He kind of basically plays like a four, but he's still 6'3", six, 6'2". Um, of course, Steph and CP3 are guards. And then um, Clay and Draymond. And it's like, why is that? Like, why, like, why, like, why does Chris Paul have to be out there? And I think for Kerr, it's because, he, like, he's just a guy who's going to trust his vets. He's going to lean into that more. But I don't know. I just would really rather him sort of trust the young guys more in those situations. Not only because they give you more size, but... Like, they're capable. I think, like, okay, so we can just get into it now with Kaming and Moody. That's, like, Chris Paul mending the second unit has been a, a big reason why they've been able to, I think, win some of these games. Of course, I just mentioned the reason why they lost is because Chris Paul was out there. But for the most part, Chris Paul being out there has been really good for them. But uh, Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody, I think, have been the real X factors for this team. And if this team is going to win a championship this season, which is the Golden Golden State, it's going to be, I think those two guys are going to play a big part in that. Kaminga especially, he's shown some real growth and confidence in his offensive game. Like defensively, he's a good athlete. He plays hard. You know, the more experience he gets, I think the more like, the less sort of like mistakes you'll see of him like missing a rotation or just leaving a guy open because he's helping too much on a drive. That's I think that's you know that's sort of an IQ reps thing defensively and and since he's such a good athlete, the baseline is there for him to be at least solid defensively as a floor. But offensively, he has really grown this year. Like there was a stretch in the Oklahoma City Thunder game where he was the offense when Steph was off the floor. Like Chris Paul would get the ball to him and. He's like posting up. He's coming off the dribble, pulling up into mid-range shots. He's driving. There was a play in the in the game against the Detroit Pistons in which he's posting up a guard. Detroit is a smaller guard. Detroit sends a double team because Kaminga's just backing him down, getting into the paint. Kaminga sees the double team coming, and I think last year he this is something that I don't think he was able to see, but. This year, he sees the double team coming in this play. Right before the double team really comes in, like traps him, he gets the ball out, passes it cross court to Moody. Moody could take the three. It's a decent enough open look where he could have tucked the three. But Moody, who's another just great high IQ player, plays hard, makes another pass to Dario Saric, who, and he's been another, you know, really good addition for them this offseason. Moody makes the pass to Saric. Saric hits the three, and then boom, there you go. That's just like, great offense right there and Steph Curry doesn't touch the ball so it's like it's it's instances like that with Kaminga and Moody where I think their their confidence is growing and that's and that's sort of my thing with Kurt and the whole Chris Paul and how they close their lineup because 
there's times where Clay has looked terrible. Wiggins is just, I don't know what's going on with him. And Chris Paul, like, he is who he is um, at this stage in his career. So, like, if you're Kerr, why not have Kaminga close the game for you in that Cleveland game or have Moody out there instead of Clay? And I think, again, like, with him, it's he's going to trust the vets. And that's, I think that's just sort of like a maybe just a principle or like sort of just a coaching philosophy for him. Which is a little bit frustrating because, like, sometimes you just wish coaches would just like go against their words sometimes and just have commit, like, have the young guy out there if he's balling and if he makes more sense. Like, even in the Denver game, um, Kaminga again, like, just balling, like, playing really hard, and then Kerr takes him out, puts Clay in, which you know it's it's Clay, like the guy's gonna have a statue built out the arena when it's all said and done, but. He just, you know, Clay didn't have it that night. He he got beat on defense a couple of times late in the game by Reggie Jackson. You know, as I mentioned that earlier, like he didn't even look like he wanted to guard. So, you know, why not have Kaminga out there instead, who is playing with just just like this high motors, is giving you some shit on offense, which I think wasn't the case last season. And I don't know. It's just I like how Kerr navigates that. Um, the rest of the way, I think it's going to be interesting. I think that really might be the deciding factor on how far this team goes is, you know, how much he's willing to lean into those young guys. Because you can argue that the decision to not lean into it has already cost them a couple of games. And they've already, I mean, they're six and three. It's a good start, but, you know, maybe they're eight and one if he had just left Kaminga out there instead of Clay or Moody out there instead of Chris Paul. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But, um, the second unit, it's like, I I think it's probably one of the better second units in the league. Like Chris Paul, he's forming like him and Dario Sarge. They already have a chemistry that you can kind of see like in that Sacramento game in the third quarter, they, they, they Dario Sarge and Chris Paul, they just ran three straight pick and pops and Sarge hit three straight threes. And again, like this, you wasn't getting this when Curry was off the floor in previous seasons. And now you sort of just have something to lean into with Chris Paul being out there. Um, they have that the rookie Tracy Jackson Davis. He's had some solid performances. The Pels game, I think him and Chris Paul, like that's that's the thing. When you have a guy like Chris Paul, he's gonna be good for these guys. Like he is a really like he's just a smart player. He knows how to put guys in the best possible position. Um, like him and like it's it's sort of like with uh Chris Paul and Sarge, it's like a pick and pop game. So let me just quick little terminology to explain for people who don't know what that means. Pick and pop is when Chris Paul will run a pick and roll, whoever will run a pick and roll with the guy, the big usually. And after the pick is set, the big will pop. So instead of rolling to the basket, he'll set the pick and then sort of just like float to the three or maybe for a mid range. And the guy handling the ball, Chris Paul in the situation will drive, then kick it out and the guy will shoot it. So that was the instance in which him and Sarge that, you know, resulted in nine points in like two minutes, just them running that offense, pick and pop. And then with um, Tracy Jackson Davis, they'll run, Chris Paul and him will run a pick and roll where um, this is the more typical offense you see where the guy will set the pick and then he'll roll to the basket. Chris Paul will either throw him a lob or a bounce pass and the guy will get a layup or a dunk. And like, yeah, just another sort of just highlighting how Chris Paul, the impact he's had on the second unit and the ways in which he's able to sort of bend his game depending on a guy's skill set. He's been great for them. So Shout out to the point guard. I do want Kerr to lean more into the young guys doing these late game situations. Like I, I think 
like I, they've earned my trust. I'm not a coach or anything, but from what I've seen from Kaminga and Moody this season, like they, they're real guys now. They, they these are guys that I think can be playing 25 minutes a game. You know, if Clay and Wiggins don't have it, I think it's okay to lean into them. So we'll see how how that plays out. But Golden State, good start to the season. You know, considering I think what was expected. You know, the whole last season, of course, was a mess. I think that's just behind them now. Sort of a blank slate. You bring in Chris Paul. The young guys are playing more. Curry's getting better, which is again absurd. And yeah, it's it's we're gonna keep an eye on them going forward, but. Wanted to just kick off the hoop chat this season with the Golden State Warriors. You know, every now and then we'll probably focus on a different team. But yeah, that's where we're at. We're the dub with. <laughs> yeah, I'm just end of the episode. I can't even talk anymore. But that's where we're at with the dubs, Steph and the boys. And we will see y'all soon. Tune into the Richie and Michael connection. We'll be back later this week with an episode. Like I said, we'll have more episodes come out on the Hoop Chat feed. We'll have some more guests down the line. Episode 100 for me and Gabe on the Richie and Michael connection this week. It's just, it's amazing that, I mean, hundreds as well. So yeah, stay tuned for that. That should be fun. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you soon.